Hey, friends. Welcome to Revival Town Podcast. I'm Chuck Tate. That is Andy King. How you doing, mate? I'm doing relaxed. I know. You know what? It, i I got to say this. The last, the last few months, you've been a bit stressed. <laughs> and, and not that you've bit my head off or anything like that, right? Because um, right. you haven't. Um, but uh, you have had a significant thing happen because... You've been working towards this for a long time. You actually have been able to finish your manuscript for your next book. How did that go? You know, it it was challenging. And let me just say right off the bat, I'm not complaining. This is something I worked for, something that I wanted, something I believed God would open the door for, yeah. and he did. Yeah. Yeah. So it was a joy to get to write the manuscript. I did have a deadline. I did ask for a two a two week extension because life happens, and there were some serious things that went on with my my mother in law. She was taken to the hospital twice by ambulance, um, consecutive nights. Ended up in the hospital a week, and prior to that, and your mother in law lives with you. My mother in law right? lives so, with me. Yeah. Yep, yep. Um, in, in our garage. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. So, um, but. Even prior to that, I was sick. I had COVID. Honestly, it was just really bizarre. Um, not to over-spiritualize things, but it was a major spiritual attack. And it was truly keeping me from being able to fulfill my commitment and yeah. write and get, yeah. this, get this knocked out. And I'm really, really excited about it. I mean, another reason why it was taking a little bit longer is because I was just in a good flow and... Um, I added two chapters, and you're in the book. Oh, you are in the book, Andy well, King. You know, so a really, really remarkable story that it, you've shared at Rock Church before. Yeah, and you know, it, I didn't like it that you put it under the the chapter "What Not to Do." <laughs> <laughs> no, it's it's a chapter that's called "Don't Quit, Meet the Brit." <laughs> <laughs> so no but um really it's a it's a chapter called holy positioning yeah and um just a really really cool story on um truthfully how god navigated to get you here yeah yeah I, yeah I was, so yeah thank you for asking yeah, me to yeah. be a part of it yeah i know no, thank you thank you i'm excited about it so yeah it's yeah. done and i uh, know all nine readers are gonna look so it. Yes, yes. So um, I don't know if I'm allowed to, to tell everybody the the official title um, or not because the title did slightly, slightly change. Oh, um, well, you didn't tell me that. Didn't? Oh, I didn't even tell you this. No. So, wow. Um, so I'm, I'm trying to think of something to make up right now just so I could throw you off. Like, uh, <laughs> but um, no, so the the new title is i'm going to tell you right now um nine words from jesus a manifesto of hope to thrive in the present and prevail in the future whoa so nine words from jesus and um this was in collaboration with the marketing manager and the team there um the original title i pitched even on this show with yeah. esther was yeah. nine words that have changed your life but this the target audience is christian because yeah. and the nine words are from jesus so nine words from jesus right off the bat communicates yeah. to christian readers this is a christian book and these words 
are from Jesus. And then the promise, instead of a general, will change your life, thrive in the present, prevail in the future, manifest of hope, is that it's that kind of promise to the reader. Oh. And um, anyway, I, I, yeah, I've learned a lot through this process. It's Brilliant. been it's been good. I can't wait to share more. Yeah, it, it'll be good. I, I yeah. could ask many questions, yeah. but but no, I think we'll do an episode just on yeah. on all this when it comes yeah. out. And you know, hey, are we going on a book tour? Oh yes, podcast yes. book tour. Oh uh, hey, you know what? We do need to do that because I, I am going to do a book tour. But maybe we need to add the Revival Town podcast. Well, I could be the one you. asking you the yeah, questions. Yes, let's do it. <laughs> in, fact, in fact, our guest today is a writer. Oh yeah. And a pretty good one at that. Pretty good one. Pretty good. A, an award winning journalist. Yes. Yeah. And um, Phil Lu- <laughs> Luciano. <laughs> Sorry, because when he told us it was Luciano, yep. I've been calling him the wrong, wrong so, name yeah. all these years. Well, what's funny is, well, I mean, for years and years and years, he was um, newspaper yeah. you know, journalist. Yeah. And then, of course, he will talk about. On this episode, you, you share how you were on, yeah. he was on a radio and you were on a segment, a weekly segment with yeah. him on the radio, and and now he's doing television. But yeah, for, most people are used to just reading his name like me, and with hearing aids. I that's why I asked him before we started. Hey, is it is it Luce, is it Luciano, or is it um, Luciano? And I was both are wrong. It's yeah. Luch Luciano Luciano. Yeah. There so why why don't you sit back <laughs> and relax? And listen to this conversation with Phil. This podcast is part of the Edify Podcast Network. Edify is a faith-inspiring app that brings together thousands of the best Christian podcasts in one place for your listening enjoyment. Cut through the noise and grow your faith by diving into the world's top Christian podcasts today. Download the Edify app for free from the App Store or Google Play or by going to edify.app. That's E-D-I-F-I dot app. All right, everyone, it's time for another conversation on Revival Town Podcast. Our guest today is in the studio. Phil Luciano has been sharing Central Illinois stories for more than 35 years. He currently does so for WTVP, the PBS station here in Peoria, where he can be seen on the news feature show, You Gotta See This, as well as discussion program at issue. During off hours, he can be found yelling at his TV during Chicago Bears games, as most of Central Illinois folks do. Uh, along with helping at his church and elsewhere. He and his wife, Karen, make their home not far from Peoria, where they try to keep up with their small but speedy grandkids. Phil, welcome to Revival Town. Great to have you. Gentlemen, thanks for having me here. It is, yes. it is great to have you, Phil. Uh, and, and in the room. In the room. In yeah, the it's room. been a while since we've had someone in the room. Well, lest it's you think that impressive, Zoom. I like live across the street. So. Oh, that's right. You live. That's right. That's right. So I'm, it's on my way home, so why not, right? Well, that's good. That's good. And we, we're really glad to, to have you on. And Phil, we have been friends, oh, many, many years yeah. um, through church and then uh, also through what you have done in this community. And we'll, we'll share a little bit about those uh, stories with regards to your connection with the Dream Center and how you minister at the Dream Center in so many different ways over the years. Um, But we are so glad to have you on today to really find out about your story because um, your story, even though you may may think, well, it's not 
not too much when we see your impact in central illinois it's big yeah because you write other people's stories so we get to hear your story yeah i'm mostly i'm more comfortable like being in the background that's a little easier to be than right up front yeah right in the middle between us here in the room (laughs) staring at you (laughs) so phil why don't we um obviously there has been an amazing journey of faith for you a journey that you've been on for for a while um but not always been in the church um and can you just give us a bit of your testimony well i I grew up in the catholic church um and and, uh when, when i got older it was still kind of there. I would I would do church, and just never got really focused or centered. And then I I was saved early in uh, 1994, I believe. Oh my gosh, the anniversary is coming up. Oh, thanks for reminding me. <laughs> I'll send Cal Rickner a uh, Cal Rickner a, a thank you over at uh, over at uh, Northwich Church in Peoria. Anyway, and, but then even then I didn't really I I got it more, but didn't really get it. And then about uh, oh almost 15 years ago when I was really searching for, for answers when I was going to uh, Riverside and talking a lot to John King and his yeah. dad about stuff. And I started talking to uh, one of the elders there about the Holy Spirit. Actually, I didn't even know I was talking about the Holy Spirit. He essentially was saying to me, he goes, I, I, he was talking to me about this, that, and the other. He's, and he goes, what is bugging you? And I'm like, you know what I don't get? I don't get this thing I keep reading about and hearing about in the Bible about joy. And I wasn't really complaining. I didn't get it. I thought it was more like, well, when you get to heaven, things will be okay. And he's like, he goes, okay, well, let's get some people to pray for you. And we did, we prayed and we got done with that. And he goes, nothing happened here, did it? I go, no, I'm not. And I don't mean to be bad. I don't mean to be rude, but um, I told him, um, Scott Kaczynski is his name. And I said, Scott, I just, uh, I, I, I don't know if I understand. He goes, and essentially what was we talked to you saying, I don't think you understand the Holy Spirit. And, and I didn't, I didn't at all. I mean, I understood and I mean this in the nicest way possible, like a lot of people in the church do. You understand God the Father, because we have fathers, good or bad. We understand the Son, because, well, we know Jesus, and we saw those pictures, and, you know, we're growing up as kids. And, yeah. But the Holy Spirit is something totally different. And as I started praying and, and uh, frankly, going through some counseling with a Holy Spirit-based counselor, everything changed. I mean, yeah. everything, I, I, under, I started understanding this, and that's where around 2010 things just became totally different for me. Wow. And and it was significant for you in your whole walk of life, right? I mean, uh, things oh. that you were doing now, you uh, weren't. You uh, were uh, uh, well, usually. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'd say yeah, usually. But that there was, and frankly, there was a point. Um, uh, uh, and I think it was oh eight or oh nine. And I remember I was talking to your dad one time, and he just said to me, he "Goes, you know, if you don't stop doing some of the things you're doing, you're gonna destroy yourself." <laughs> And I'm like, and oh, it sounds kind of funny oh, when, I do the, ge- when I German? do when I do the, when it's like my Lucky Charms voice. He's Irish. Yeah, something. Yeah, Wait I don't, a minute. I don't John have a good King's one. your dad? Wow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> it's a bad impression. But but he was but he was utterly serious. And yeah. I was like, wow. And I'd like to say that at that moment things changed, but it, it took a little while, uh little, little while for things to at least get on get on the right path. I like to say that I'm on the right path. Sometimes trip off it but there we go that's good that's yeah. good well let's let's go back a little bit further even um because you know we were just discussing um we asked you to, to send us obviously your bio and you sent us the resume that you have as well 
and the awards that you have received, and I know you hate talking about stuff like this, but the awards that you have received for your journalism, for that whole world. So I counted them, 98. 98 awards. Well, 98 journalism well, awards. You know, that's, that, that's, that's unbelievable. I didn't realize that because I've never counted them. Yeah. I, I, send, I send out a resume about once every 33 years. So literally, <laughs> I've had two jobs in 35 years. So yeah, I don't, I just add another one, add another one. Add, but wow, I yeah. guess that's pretty decent. Y- yeah, yeah. That's just, I mean, what inspired your career? How did you get into to journalism? Well, I mean, and for those, we have so many people that listen outside of it of not just Peoria, but out of Illinois, and we have a global listeners. And, you know, our the big newspaper in our area is the Journal Star, Peoria Journal Star. Right. And you wrote for years and years. But what got you into journalism? Uh, well, I was in a, at a business school. Um, it, I mean, it was, they had other, there was a business college within the school. And I was doing it. And one day, um, I went to the library for this assignment I had for accounting or something like that. And I remember it because it was one of, I, I know this exactly, five days I went to the library over five years as an undergrad, and I, I studied for four hours. And I go, just get it done. You'll never have to do this again. And I went to class, and I opened the book, and the TA said, well, how many of you enjoyed what you did today? And about half the hands went up. He goes, boy, it's too bad it's not 100% because you'll be doing this the rest of your life. I looked at him, I looked down, I looked up, I looked down, I closed my book, I went to the business school, I withdrew, and then went out and played softball the rest of the day. And for the next two years, I thought about it, drank beer, and hung out, and then eventually I wandered into the newspaper office at the school, and, hey, this ain't too bad, this isn't heavy lifting, this is kind of fun, and I get to complain a lot of, in print. And I usually get in trouble for this. I, I've been getting written up by teachers for years, and it just seemed to kind of fall together and boom wow and that's how well let me tell you the impact that of, is great let me, let me tell the impact of, of phil's writing um it was uh, a number of years ago and uh, about six years ago now seven years ago and our elevators at the dream center um quit right now it's okay if you've got one floor right you can use the stairs we have eight stories we have a lot of folks that live on the upper floors um, that are, have come out of homelessness and they're there. So some of them have kids and, you know, right. just a lot of people, right? So yeah, it's a big deal. Big deal. So, um, yeah, I, especially when I was underneath there trying to hold it up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and by the way, I'm sharing this story. This is one of many how Phil um, has woven in ministry into his, his world, right? And so... He, he, we reached out to Phil and said, hey, this is what's going on. Don't know if there's anything you can do. He said, well, let me, let me just talk a, about the impact of not having an elevator mm. at, the, at the Dream Center. And let me just talk to someone. So we, I mean, literally, I know you work with Christy and some of the other team members there, but I was, I was out of it now. I didn't know what was happening as far as if the story was going to happen or not. And you, you focused on a veteran gentleman who had his son there and obviously had a disability i'm going off top of my memory here but right because i don't rem- i remember the story but yeah. i don't remember all these specifics yeah. but yeah and and he um so obviously going up eight stories seven stories was a, a big deal painful and so you wrote that story on the sunday and it, it went out on the journal star that following 
week, we were having a press conference um, with regards to some upgrades we were doing in the Dream Center. Nothing to do with the elevators. And so you rode it. It came out, I do believe it came out on the Tuesday. The Wednesday was the press conference and there was a gentleman that came to the press conference because he had seen the article. And afterwards, and he, this gentleman and his wife had given to the Dream Center a little bit, but nothing like what was about to happen. And he, um, he said, he pulled me aside after the conference, press conference. He said, hey, can I just talk to you? I said, I said, yeah. He said, I saw the article in the Journal Star about uh, the elevators. And I, I said, yeah, yeah. I said, um, you know, that, that is really affecting what's going on, you know. And um, he said, well... Um, I'd like to help with that. I said, well, okay. He said, how much is it? He said, well, it's, I said, it's going to be $300,000 to fix two elevators, right? This is not brand new. This is just to fix them. And uh, he said, well, the, the article really hit me. And so me and my wife would like to give $150,000 to that. Wow. And we were like, that, that's crazy. Like we had never had yeah. a gift like that from an article two days later we get a call i remember i went to a, a conference here in town and i was on my way home from the conference and one of the former ceos of caterpillar called us and said hey i saw the article at the weekend uh, i don't know where you're at with it uh, but me and my wife would like to give one hundred fifty thousand dollars." wow so within a week so because of that article we could we could carry on operations and get it fixed. Amazing. Well, I'd, I'd, I'd like to claim credit, but I can't. And here's here, here's here's why, frankly. And it, it took me a while to understand the whole Holy Spirit thing. And, I mean, I understood early in, in, in my career that I had a, a pretty solid ability to figure out whether or not a story was going to be decent or not. And I re- after I learned Holy Spirit, I would that's, that's a discernment gift, right? Yeah. And, and so as I kept going forward, and there would be... You know, over the years, I, I had the opportunity to help a lot of people. It could be one person who got who got the shaft from maybe his workplace or the government or this, that, or the other. Or it could be something larger like, like the Dream Setter issue. And what the dynamic that developed, and I didn't do anything, is that I just would present these situations, and I never worried about, you know, the, the, first of all, started way before GoFundMe, but they, sure. you could still set up, someone could set up a fund at a bank or they want, but I never did that. I never tried to do that. I never had to because I would present it and either somebody would come through, or just come through with the whole solution, whatever the solution might be, or there would be someone out there who would set up a fund at a bank or people would send in some money. I didn't really like that where there's money coming <laughs> in, but, uh, but, 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 but people, the, the readers just took care of it. And in a lot of those cases, you know, what I also understood was, especially if it was an, an individual thing that it was helping a one person, but that was really the smaller part of it. It was the opportunity for people to help other people who in general, yeah, I guess out there in the world, we could help every day. We can always give more money or do more things, but when they see, would see a story mm. and they'd feel more um, personal but more personal feeling about it, they would want to jump in. So I really never did any of the heavy lifting. I was just right. like the, the relay man. And the other part about that story, that this is why it's always, it's always a God thing. And I won't say which one, but one of those guys you talked about, he really, really 
couldn't stand me because <laughs> I would write a lot about the stuff that he was involved in. And I just, <laughs> and uh, we'll just leave it at that. And I was that's like, a God thing as well. Right. <laughs> that's what I mean. That's what I mean. It's like, despite Phil, I will yeah. give this money. I think that's uh, how it works. Wow. So yeah. how it goes. Yeah. Well, are there any other stories that, that jump out like to where you didn't even realize when you were writing the story, the impact it was going to have? I, I, there's just a lot of those. There's just a, uh, there would be a, a, just a, a lot of those over the years, and it would it would be kind of the same sort of thing. And I'm not being uh, I'm not uh, looking down at that. Not at all. Sure, oh, same sure. old boring thing. People doing great things for other people. <laughs> not at all. Not at all. But the, the the one story I'll always remember was that uh, um, this is when I when I first got my column, I was 25. Which I don't know what you guys were like when you were 25, but I was a self-absorbed jerk. I mean, I, I I had some talent, but I was that's really young to get a newspaper column. It just it really was, and I was trying to be something. I was trying to either be funny or 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 or, or provocative, and and frankly, the thing was going down the drain fast. And I did the, I was doing this piece about this. Lady, I hope you don't mind. I can try to stay, tell sure. you the story as fast as I can. No, you're good. Yeah. Um, this was out in in the kind of the boonies. When, when, when it was in Pontiac, which is a little ways away. But I was doing this story about this this woman who um, had. It was for Mother's Day. She had 18 kids, eight, and, and no twins. It was 18, <laughs> and no adoptions. It was 18 kids. What? Yeah, this was like a, this is like you know the 19 or the 1800s in Europe type stuff. Man, right? yeah, same so, husband or is there? Yeah, whoa. Yeah. It was pretty amazing. And so we did this story about how they lived in two houses and they would take turns and they would, when they made pancakes, one person would do the pancakes and they'd have a line and you'd get one pancake and go to the back of the line and keep going through. It was, it was like having wow. a little military operation. Yeah. And as we finished the story and I'm like, wow, that's great. And, she, and I said, anything, you know, I haven't, uh, I haven't asked you about. She goes, yeah, I just wish uh, my husband, um, you know, he, he can't be here for this story. And I, I really wish he could get his degree. I go, what do you mean? Well, our husband, he was, he was, he was, he was getting VA benefits because he had cancer. He was almost 70 at the time. And he was out in California. Why he had to go to California? I don't know. So, you know, how it goes to get these benefits, to get cancer treatment. And she said that when they got married and he was going to school, they had already had a couple kids. He had to quit uh, U of I because he, back then you could become a CPA without the whole degree and whatnot. Um, and he was three credit hours short of a degree. And I go, wow, three credit hours? She goes, yeah, just three. I go, I'll get him that degree. And I looked over <laughs> my shoulder where I'm wearing a denim jacket, a Led Zeppelin pin, and a Converse high tops, like just some, you know, who, who is this guy? And I'm like, who said that? <laughs> who, who flipping said that? And I didn't. And this, the, and so, uh, long story short, I talked to, I talked to this school, I talked to that school, I talked to U of I. They said, if you can find three hours, we can give him a degree. And this was, and and, and oh, graduation was in ten days. Oh, <laughs> yeah. wow! And this is before the, wow. this is before the internet. I yeah. mean, the internet was there, but not for us, you know, yeah, mere right, mortals. Right. And so I was like, uh, okay. So I talked. To, I said, give me something, give me something. And I was talking to the to the to the wife, and she's like, well, he once taught this. He once took a class at at, at ISU, and I called ISU. And he goes, yeah, it's about computer blah blah blah. And he's like, but he didn't get to finish that. It was the same sort of thing. He was missing one project. It was about um, training people in computers. 
And then the wife said, well, he did do this class once in this other place, and so then I had to call that place. And they said they got a hold of ISU, and ISU said that sounds like it, figure, it, it finalizes that requirement. Boom, he gets these three credit hours. ISU calls U of I, they say, here, this is the class. Here's one more class, three credit hours. And then like, oh, like a, it, this was actually like three, four days before, um, U of I says, good news, he gets a degree. And I called the wife. And she said, nothing. And I'm like, is something wrong? And she goes, it's great, but I guess I'll have to get it by mail. I go, why? She goes, well, he's on oxygen and this other stuff. He can't take a commercial flight. Oh. He can't get out here. And I'm like, dang. So I walked into the paper, <laughs> and I talked to, this is, this, I was on the tail end. I was fortunate enough to be on the tail end of the newspapers, how if you ever saw how they were done in like the 30s and 40s in Hollywood, and there was always a publisher who was like, rock, <laughs> rock, cigar chomping guy. <laughs> Henry Slane was ours, and he was, and I, I got him word about this, and he, we, I didn't even say it to him. I said it to his secretary. She said, let me talk to Mr. Slane, and then she called me back a little while later. She goes, I talked to Mr. Slane, but we're not having this conversation, but somebody is going to send the money to, for a private jet to fly in. Uh, George Monocle was his name. George wow. Monocle. And he flew in. He got there right before. And I went, to, I went to the ceremony, and I got to talk to him just for the minute, for a minute before, because he was in bad shape. Yeah. And right at the beginning of the, of the, of the, um, of the ceremony, they said, we're going we're gonna to go in alphabetical order except for one guy. It's a, perhaps you've heard about him. You've seen him in the newspapers. George Monocle. And the people knew, and they wheeled him up there, and the place oh, went up for grabs. Wow. And I'm like, whoa. Wow. And then afterwards, I, you know, I, let, I walked outside, and I saw his family driving by, and he kind of waved out the window. In and, the school bus? <laughs> and and, and, uh, wow. he, and he, he died 10 days later. What? And his family, oh. I called his family and I'm oh like, I'm, I'm so sorry. They go, no, they, they go, this was the best 10 days oh we've had with goodness. him since wow. we've been kids. I'm like, oh, wow. And I was like blown away. I mean, I just was like, wow. And I just learned, I just learned that, you know, people want to read about people. Yeah. People want to read about people. An editor once told me that, but that's why I really learned it. That that's just, that's like I said, being, being in the background, just not getting in the way of the story. Things just happen, and it's yeah. God stuff too. Yeah, that's that's true. What you said about people want to read about people, because you know a lot of the stuff that I read and uh, and really talk to my son Ethan about. Um, he's in LA. He does marketing, uh, works for Paxson, and um, we talk a lot about marketing being intentional about people. People don't want to know the stats. They don't want to know but they want to hear the stories behind the stats, right? Uh, oh, yeah. I mean, right. and people, people, and pro probably justifiably today, they, um, they complain. I'm talking about the public, just about a lot about the uh, national media. And I don't even mean the political left or right or whatever, but a lot about the opinion. And I don't think it's so, it, it might be it's the opinion that gets out there, but it's that the opinion has pushed out all the stories. Uh, it's it's that there's the focus is on so much about what this person has to say and the hot take here and this, that. It's, there's just so fewer stories and people really, really want those and, they're so few and far between anymore. That's uh, that's yeah. too bad. Yeah, I it's finished last night. You know, you I I get on these uh, internet. You know, you start scrolling and the stories catch me. You know, of some of the things and um, apparently uh, American Idol, the new season is about to start, and 
the first promotion that they have got isn't a cool story about Simon Cowell or about, you know, Luke Bryant or the, the judges on American Idol. They are they, Their first launch was about the story of this gal who uh, found out that she was adopted. Uh, she's now like 25, 26, um, got a career, everything else. Um, incredible singing voice. And the way it came up was one of the judges says, oh, did you get your singing voice from your family? And she's like, well, not, not the family I'm with now, but I've heard that my real family, they could all sing. And she starts going on about um, that she is about to hopefully in the next six months meet her grandma. Her mom had passed away, but her grandma and her sisters um, because they'd never met, like, from birth. She, it literally, it was from the hospital. She never this, met her biological Never family. met them. Yeah. But, what the way, but what American Idol had done, and she did not know, was they found out about this story. Oh, so they're and, there and, and, and then the audition. When, when she sang, and she was amazed, like, they think she'll go pretty far in it, and they welcome her family, regular family. They come in. And they've got the family that she has never met before. And they're yeah. decent people, I'm hoping. Decent oh. people, like, you know what I mean? Here's your family. Yeah, I'm, yeah. On parole. Yeah. 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 Wearing ankle bracelets. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. But you know what? Wow. It, and, you know, we, we haven't watched American Idol in years. But you see that and you're like, yeah. if they're going to do that every, every, every one or every other one... Like you want to watch that because it's sure. the story behind it. It's the right. connection, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So um, now one of the one of the uh, folks that we have had on uh, Revival Town is Jamie Markley. You used to do, do you a, know him. You yes. used to do a radio show. Yes, sir. Uh, that I used to be a part of once a week as well. Um, right. So I stood him up for breakfast two days ago. Oh, oh way to go! Oh, yeah, he'll never come so on Revival sorry, Town. Sorry, Jamie. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> But you did a bit of radio over the years. Oh, uh, seven and a half years, yeah. which is like an eternity in yeah. that business. What What was that like for you? Because that, that was going from, from obviously riding, which you, you said yeah. you like riding, but now to being a voice. What, what, the interesting part was that uh, the, at the newspaper, I was generally, I mean, I'd goof around and sometimes I wrote humor, but that kind of work takes a lot of uh, well, work. <laughs> you got to do a lot of research, and there's a lot of serious stuff, and that sort of thing. And so, what my when I was asked to you know come on, it, my I was looking at, hey, this is a place where I can you know goof around a little bit. You know, yeah. I knew I, that just not totally being silly, but a lot. Whereas Jamie was coming from the avenue of he'd been you know like morning rock, not like not like a zoo, but silly kind yeah. of goofier stuff, and he wanted he wanted to do something that was meatier you know a little, little more meat on the bone and so they put those two together like that and that's why i think it it, it works so well is that yeah. we both were uh, uh got to explore those areas we didn't uh we didn't uh really explore before individually and at the same time you were still allowed to do um the journal star write-in yeah, I just kept kind of a, a pretty much a big wall there in terms of time and yeah. what we did. Sometimes there was a crossover. Like for, for instance, when you got when you, when when we brought you on, and I, I, I this is this is one of those really interesting uh, God things. Real quick story here is we had talked about that before you started what became a weekly 
weekly. Yeah. I forget what the heck it was called. I, yeah, I was trying to remember. <laughs> Andy's World or something. I don't know. But it was a weekly glimpse at what was going on at Dream Center. And and for whatever reason, we we, we, we didn't, well, now I know, you know, God's involved. But we weren't ready. We didn't think the time was really right. And I remember driving back from like Fulton County or something, and something had happened somewhere on the south end or someplace that was in need. It was something bad that had happened. And it just seemed like it was like, you know, in those Rocky movies where like Mickey go is like now and he just starts unleashing and it's time to he just knew it's time to just start hitting him with his left hand because Rocky's a southpaw. It was that moment. I'm like, Jamie, now. And he goes, I'll call him. And that's what we had you on the first time. And then it, it begat all those. Uh, uh, I guess we're talking about God. So I say begat, yeah. right? Uh, <laughs> wow. Very biblical. <laughs> um, it begat those stories we did in the paper and yeah, it sort of got yeah. things going, you know, uh, get some public uh, knowledge of the dream. Cause that was, a, that was early years. Yeah. Of the dream yeah. Center. And so right. it was just was kinda... it called, please don't quit. Here's the Brit. <laughs> <laughs> and I used that bad accent when I talked to him. <laughs> <laughs> I, and I did, I, and I, out, out of nowhere the other day, somebody asked, oh, it was, it was after that, uh, it was after uh, we, we, were, we were interviewing you for a piece we're going to do on, a, on WTVP, and, and one of the, the camera gals said, camera women, sorry, said, who's that Australian guy? I'm like, well, I think he, he, he worked there for a while, but he's British, but yeah. I, was, I, was, I got to work on my Australian accent. Uh, that's funny. That's funny. <laughs> hey, amigo. Yeah, that too. That too. I mean, and it was, it, you know, to this day, I still have people who are like, you used to be on the radio uh, every week with Mark and Luciano. I mean, to this day. There you go. Because um, I think it's, it's one of those... Uh, times for us that we like i said we were launching a lot of stuff um and and trying to <laughs> trying to convince people that we were not part of the the hospitals with regards to being a sleep apnea facility <laughs> <laughs> because of it being called the dream center uh, and we still come ac across that but um with that those those days were pretty for us were very much a time of building um who the Dream Center was and letting people know. And you definitely were, were instrumental in that, Phil. Um, and, and, and I'd like to think the reason people remember it a lot is because that's that's when, you know, the Holy Spirit touches people's hearts. Yeah. And, and I, I mean that be, especially because back, I mean, back then especially, I mean, AM radio, you've got, you know, just people screaming. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, then here's yeah. like, we'd like to tell you about some nice things. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it probably was kind of shocking. It's, yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, now, from that though, uh, obviously, and and to mention as well, you've done work with Bradley. Uh, you're oh, a Bradley professor, I, uh, instructor, oh, instructor. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> I'm a huge I'm Bradley not... basketball fan. Just to, you know. <laughs> oh well, that's good. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. The uh, the I'm not a professor. I work for a living. Yeah. Yeah. All the pro all the professors <laughs> hate that joke. They all hate that joke. But uh, I've been there 27 years, that's and you're lot. still doing that, right? Oh yeah! Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so what 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 is that entail for you? For the well, the one the class I mostly teach is English one hundred and one, the one that every college student takes, uh, beginning composition. You know, the, doesn't matter where you go to school, you take that. And so, ninety nine percent of the students don't want to be there. I've had in all my twenty seven years six English majors. I've counted them because I had another one this year. I was like, what? Holy smokes! <laughs> and I, I also I also teach a class. Um, 
called Oh my gosh. And it's called it's called Finding Your Voice, which I think I should remember that one. So it's, 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 it's these they're called LAS one oh one classes and um, it's these are designed to it's for uh, instructors, professors who've been there a while, that they can create their own class. They find something that's interesting um, that they can teach students about and it's a, it's only for freshmen, and they find that these classes help freshmen stick to a school not just Bradley but all over I, I don't know what the correlation is and I don't think anyone really does but students who take these classes tend to stick around and my, finding your voice it's obviously not singing <laughs> <laughs> it's it's about your voice in terms of how you it could be writing it can be speech but it's how you how you present how you connect to people and how you present an argument it's mm. just it's so it's kind of like English 101 but more focused there and I tell you this la- the last wow. semester we had these conversations went into spirituality. Just I, I just kind of just throw something out there, and I let them take it. I mean, Bradley's a great school, but it's a secular school. It's yeah. not like, yeah. let's talk yeah. about the Bible now. But you know what? Right. It was, a lot of times it became, let's talk about spirituality. And it was respectful, and it was everything. You're like, whoa, this is like how I think college is supposed to be. And it, was, yeah. it, was, it blew me away. Yeah. Wow. Amazing. Well, so, so from that, so you've got these these different avenues where you're having impact with with people uh, and then just the last few years and we mentioned it earlier you've been working for the uh, for WTVP for those who aren't in the Peoria area this is like public broadcast PBS out, yeah. of, out of Peoria yeah yeah and um, uh, you just recently well we recorded it last week doing a piece on Zoe House which is a new new program that we've got happening at Dream Center uh, and where, what I love about your show is you highlight so many different things around the area, um, really for people to feel proud about being in Peoria. Yeah, yeah. Right. plays in Peoria. <laughs> yeah. Like Chuck mentioned, it's called um, "You Got to See This," and it's 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 not like this was a revolutionary concept I came up with. It's like, hey, let's just do news features, heavy on the features about the people and places that are interesting in Central Illinois. And I mean, that's a big chunk of territory. It's probably almost a quarter of the state. And it's just the, it's it's a deeper look at some of the stuff and the people and whatnot that's happening. And I mean, this is not disparaging for commercial TV, but they just don't have the time. They yeah, just don't have yeah. you know they got to turn and burn constantly. They don't get to do this kind of stuff that frequently. And we get to that's what we do. And it's uh, it's uh, eight thirty <laughs> Central yeah. Time, or, or or like most people do these days, just record it and check it out. Yeah. And it's online wtvp.org. Yeah. Wow. Um, do you? So is this the was this the first time you've you've been in TV? Yes, that I did. Yeah, some, yeah I did some as, as in like a, a, leg, yeah, a job, you know? What right? I mean? Yeah, I did some video stuff, but it wasn't like TV. Yeah, it was the first time. So boom, there you go. Wow, wow. What was that transition like? I don't know. Like kind of like being on a bus going sixty miles an hour and being thrown off that bus or leaping off the bus. However, you want to look at my departure from from reporting at newspapers, and then uh, jumping on another bus going the other way, and it's yeah. just like whiplash and. Uh, thunderous <laughs> landing and boom it's there was no uh, there was no lessons there it just like here's a copy of a script it was one page right for tv so, uh-huh. yeah so it's worked out okay so far what do you um do you miss the writing phil people ask me that all the time i miss the i miss the dynamic of how 
the Journal Star was maybe 10, 20, certainly 30 years ago, where there was what we were just talking about, where there was this relationship between the readers and I that it, a lot of times, it wasn't always this, you know, where people given $150,000, but the, just the whole relationship about, you know, the give and take, and some I drove some readers crazy, but they kept reading, but there was just that relationship, and it was, the, the newspaper was more vital, um, it, just because of how things were back then. I'm not trying to rip on the Journal Star, things Things change. Um, yeah, right. I do miss that whole era, that whole dynamic. I just don't think it's really for any newspaper. It's there anymore. Well, we we used to anticipate getting the morning paper so we could get the news, so we could read the story, so we could find out about whatever we wanted to find about. But now with digital media and print media and even Twitter, which is now X, I mean, news breaks all the time, and it's really challenging at times to even sort out what's accurate what's not obviously this had to change journalism big time so i mean um is there any truth to that i mean has that changed well that's been part of the issue the other part was that you know a lot of the ads went online the other thing that's happened is frankly not just here but uh nationally it's most papers papers and small change got gobbled up by big change mm. chains and hedge funds investment funds and the onus was not on providing news it was making money and that's mm. why staffs got reduced and you just got to turn a buck and it, it, the thing that we we talked about earlier about people want to read about people i really still believe that's the that's that's what they want to read about but that takes at least a little bit of an investment you're going to have to have at least one or two people at your place, at your newspaper, and I'm not talking about just the physical newspaper, I mean the entity, if it's only online, that you're going to let those people go talk to people and do those stories, kind of the stuff I do now at WTVP, but you got to let them do that. And I don't know if many newspapers have that luxury anymore. The New York Times, the Wall Street Journal, a couple others, yeah, those huge papers, but local papers, they just have people just trying to rewrite uh, uh you know, press releases now, and it's not because they're incompetent by no means. They just don't have the staff anymore. Yeah. Wow. Have you, um, I'm asking this question just because our conversations over the last six months or even a year uh, have, have been on this line because Chuck is about to uh, release his second book uh, January of next year. He's January. just re- just finished all the, the uh what do they call that that you just did? This I, I just finished my manuscript. Manuscript. Yep, submitted yeah, yeah. the manuscript. Yeah. Now um, editing will begin next, but yeah. So have you ever thought of writing a book? How much money you make off that first book, Chuck? <laughs> <laughs> no. I'm going to yeah, guess no. I know that answer. <laughs> I guess that's, yeah, I guess that's a no. I, you know, I, I have a touch. Yeah. I did help well, put together one book. I that, ordered us a pizza. Yeah. It <laughs> <laughs> was one delicious book. <laughs> it's, it just <laughs> takes a lot. Yeah. It does, you, and I'm not telling yeah. anything Chuck doesn't know. It takes a lot of work. I, I helped put together one book through the Journal Star, and it, 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 it it's just so hard and it's so hard to make money and it's uh, hats off to people who want to do it and and hats off even more to people who do it and don't sell a lot of books it's just yeah uh, yeah. so right i mean it's for me it's more of a a side hustle i mean uh, a lot of people self-publish and um to get their stories out which is which is great and i went the traditional route and so um, I was compensated in, in the way most authors make their money with the traditional public houses through a pay advance. And my pay advance was uh, much more significant for my second book than my, my first book. But it's still, um, I can't make a living 
by doing that. It's more of a, a, a side gig. And I don't, I'm not doing it for money. I'm doing it to, to share these stories and to and encourage people and build up their faith and all, all sort of things. But it would, I think the only true authors who are really making a living publishing books are New York Times bestselling authors. Yeah. I mean, you've got to, that's And it. they're cranking books out all the time. Right. Or, or, yeah, you got guys that have such a large platform. It doesn't matter what they publish. People are going to go out and buy it. Right. You Big know, names. Where it's just become a business. Like some of these megachurch pastors, they can kick out a new book every year. And they're not writers. They have a ghost writer. And there's nothing wrong with that. But it's, it's, it's a business. Right. It's become a business. So, uh, me, I just, uh, I enjoy it. Something that I dreamt dreamed about and um, get to help people and tell some people's stories like like Scott Robbins is featured in his stories in, in my forthcoming book. Heck of a story. Yeah. Did you, um, just thinking about that whole story stuff and is there any, um, well, two questions. Most memorable story that you've ever had to do, when I say story, like reporting, right? Um, most memorable one you've had, and uh, is there anything you've ever wanted to report on but just have never had the chance to? Uh, the most memorable is probably the one I already mentioned, um, with the one about uh, the fellow who needed, yeah, got yeah. the degree. Um, I could probably think of other ones if I, if I took a little time. Um, the ones I, didn't me- I de- never did, there was nothing that I can remember that I wanted to do and I couldn't. Like, I couldn't do it because, no, you can't report that, not at all. But I will say that, um, and I doubt I've ever mentioned this before, um, that there were times where I believe I was doing my job. I'm trying to choose my words carefully here. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But I did not end up writing a story. And the reason was um, because what needed to be done got done. And maybe I leveraged what I did to help someone out. And here's, here's what I mean. And I don't mean like getting free, you know, free, free, uh, steak at gyms or something. I don't mean that's not what I'm talking. Here, here's an example. It would be like, um, I mean, people would contact me all the time for, they got, they, they said they got the shaft on something. And sometimes it was like my refrigerator, it, it doesn't work well anymore. You know, I'm I can't, I mean, I can't write this story. You know, I didn't tell them this because you should go to small claims court. I said, but it was boring. You know, I can't, I can't, Hey, just, it just, and it just wasn't that interesting. Right. I mean, but sometimes people truly were getting the shaft, but it was like, I, I would call someone and say, can you help this person out? Well, I'm like, cause this might make an interesting story. And they'd be like, well, maybe we can help them out. And for the most part, these were things that were like, maybe a story, maybe not. But I remember one time and there were a few cases like this. And long story short, there was this widow out in Mason County, very rural county. She had lived in this house for a long time. And like I said, she was a widow. Her family, she had no family nearby. And to keep things going, she had gotten a special type of loan. And I forget, this has been a few years, maybe six, seven, eight years ago. And the loan... Um, she just had had some, I think she had some medical problems. And so she still had income, I think was from maybe a pension and then from social security, but she had for just a little bit of time, she was short on dough, something about the medical situation, just something that can happen to anyone. And because of all this, one thing leading to another, she couldn't make the loan. It was like a second mortgage and her house was going to be taken away. 
And I could tell she was legit. It wasn't a scam. It wasn't anything bad. And I, you know, I, I, so I got all her information and I talked to the bank vice president who just is just, like I said, eight, 10 years ago, these days would have been, would a bank vice president even talk to me? I mean, you know, they'd send me off to some, you know, corporate, whatever, but it was that local. And I explained this thing and he's like, yeah, but the terms of the loan are this and this and this. And I, I just can't change that. And I go, you're a bank, you're the vice president. You can do whatever you want. <laughs> you, have, you have all the money. Right, right. And I wasn't rude about it. I just said, sure. you, 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 I go, you certainly could do something for right. this woman, yeah. right? And it was, I mean, this, the amount, I, I wasn't asking to, for, her, for them to forgive a loan. It was like, can you just redo? And there was another program. And she goes, well, she doesn't qualify. I'm like, we're talking about the difference of a woman losing her house and you may be like extending her like one month's grace or two months grace. Right. I just extend right. this. It wasn't, I wasn't looking for any handout. Neither was she. And, at the, and he's like, and he's the one who said, he said something like, if I do this, are you going to run a story? I said, if you do this and she stays in that house, I see no reason to do a story. What am I going to write? A story that you did something good? That's not really interesting. And I kind of <laughs> laughed and he didn't. And he's like, and so he, this woman um, ended up keeping her house and I didn't write a story. Wow. So, yeah. So things like that would happen once in a while. And it wasn't that wow. I was trying to use this, the newspaper as a, as a cudgel to beat people over the head. It just was like, hey, someone's got a complaint. Hey, someone did well. And they didn't want any, you know, they didn't want the publicity about that. What, what bank yeah. wants someone to say, well, hey, yeah, you can just come on in and we'll write all your, to we'll rewrite all right, your loan terms. Right. But by sharing her story, he was able to see her as a person, not a number. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah. That's, that's pretty cool. And we're back to... To the people want to hear about people, right? right? It's it's that. Connection. Yeah, once they're no longer a number, it uh, it, it touched his heart, I guess. Yeah. You mentioned it earlier, and we'll, we'll come to a close here. But um, how how you feel God really directs you when you're riding and and, and um, you do things that you don't know what will happen from that, right? Um, and I think that's a real strong point of, for what you do Phil whether it's been for the Dream Center whether it's been for at, at work Journal Star WTVP whatever um, how do you how do you stay tuned to what God's wanting you to do well that's one of those things that it, and this is one of those simple things about the word that, that you know, I know the Bible is very thick but it's all very, very simple. You know, hey, Jesus, what do we do? Well, love God above all else, with their heart, mind, and soul, and then love everyone else. How do we love God? We, we pray and obey, and we talk to God. And Jesus said, I do nothing apart from the Father, and try to pray often. I mean, it says in the word that pray unceasingly. I don't know if that's, right. you know, logically possible, but anything's possible through God, right? So I owe, I'm trying to pray all the time about stuff, but especially when I'm trying to uh, do whatever I'm doing and it's in the public way, so to speak. And so just trying, I don't understand why I do certain stories and I might think like, well, that story is kind of, oh, that's just kind of fun. There's no big deal. But what do I know? Maybe there's something going on. I don't know God's plan. God's, you know, God. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. so I don't know what's all going on with this. So if I pray, I just trust that whatever I'm doing is according to uh, what he, what he wants me to do. And, you know, it, it could be very obvious, a good thing, like with the Zoe house. I mean, sure, that's a sure. really good, helpful thing. Or it could be something about some guy who runs a restaurant and he's interesting. And I don't know, maybe that's doing something too. Yeah. Just 
Good. Try to follow it. Not, I don't try to think too hard because I'm not yeah. really good at that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, would you uh, just, for those that may be listening, uh, some of the stories may have inspired them today. Um, could you just pray uh, for whoever is listening, especially for them to hear the nudges and feel and hear the nudges from God to be able to make a stand, be able to share a story, whatever that would be. Could you uh, pray into that? Sure, sure. Father God, we thank you for this this time. This time that you always knew would happen because you've always been here and always will. Hallelujah. And Father God, bless us all, those on both ends of the, the microphone and the ends of these speakers, whoever's listening, whoever's talking, whoever's with us right now and in the future. God, bless us all that we know, that we feel that nudge, when we feel that, 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 that urge, that inexplicable urge to, to either to pray to you or to share something with someone, that we do it. We don't think too much, that we just obey, because we're never going to understand your plan fully, because you're God and we're not. Hallelujah. God, give us the boldness. Give us, the, give us just just the just just the, the the insight to do what you want us to do not what we want to do what you want us to do in Jesus name we pray amen amen amen, amen. amen. thank you so much amen well we have uh, got one last thing to do Phil Uh-oh. and that is Uh-oh. the big three big three big three three questions that have nothing to do with what we've just talked about but everything to do with you mm-hmm. and so uh, we uh, Is it my turn to start? It's your turn to start. Okay. All right. Okay. So, um, obviously, you mentioned that you love Peoria and and this area, and you've been here for for many, many years. If someone that is listening or watching the podcast came to Peoria, where are you taking them that you feel is full-on Peoria um, to its core? The one place I, I might take them uh, is Agatucci's and yeah. or or Jimmy's, one of those two places, because people go there to eat and talk and hang out and just uh, they share stuff and you get to run into a lot of people there and you, that's what I like most about the place and their food. Okay, yeah, both yeah. ways, benefit. But I mean, mostly just, hey, there's this person, that person. You meet new people. Hey, meet this person. There's just a lot of life in yeah. those two places. So. Yeah, Agatucci's is a, like a... Pizza, Italian. spaghetti, yeah. Italian yeah. type, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, which is great. Yeah, it's a good. good I mean, it's place. been there. I think it's the oldest restaurant in, in town. It's uh, been uh, 1926. Wow. Yeah. wow! Wow! All right, then. All right. So my question is: besides restaurants, let's keep the subject Peoria. What is one thing besides food that you love about Peoria? What makes you love Peoria? But I, I kind of touched on this, and there, there's this, there's this, this is a dynamic, and I laugh because I'm kind of like this myself. And people, and people, I, I just met someone who just relocated from California, and we're going to do a story on this. On you got to see this soon. She and her husband moved here sight unseen, just by research. They wanted to get out of the wildfires and the and and other problems that they were encountering, and they're like in their sixties. And they, they moved here to find a better place to live. And the one thing she said was Peoria, and she loves it. She loves it here. But she said Peoria seems to have this inferiority complex. Like they just don't know how, many, how much good stuff there is here. And I've been here mm. 35, 36 years. And there always seemed to be a little bit of that. Like just we're yeah. – uh, 
especially, I mean, there are things like she's talking about, like the hiking, uh, hiking and outdoor stuff and, and arts community and all this stuff that, oh, yeah, that is pretty good. But she went on and on and on. But so there's that inferiority complex. But at the same time, and this relates to what I was talking about, about, about uh, where people have always rallied around stuff I, I've, I've brought up in the media, is they're so generous. Yeah. They come and help people out. And that's, it's, a, it's amazing. It yeah. just amazes me. Yeah. Yeah. Good, good. All right. Last question. Last question. You mentioned the Bears. The Bears? The Bears. Chicago oh. Bears. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the Bears. The Bears. <laughs> so what the heck is that? <laughs> uh, and I'm a Bears fan uh, as well. Um, but fondest memory of the Bears for you? Well, I perish the thought that I bring it up again. Did you ever hear they won the Super Bowl after what? the 85? I know, it's so terrible. It's, like, it's such a cliche. Yeah, that's, We're that. not here to cause no trouble. Yeah. We're here to do the Super Bowl. Show. Yeah, that was, that was it. And you're still, still, yeah. still awaiting. Now, still. where were you when that happened? I can tell you where I was. I can tell you none of the things I did that day. <laughs> I, I can remember them, barely. But I was. Uh, we, we hosted a party in my college dorm with about 50 to 60 of my closest friends. Now, was this Chicago? Just jammed it. Uh, in DeKalb. DeKalb. So okay. not far away. Yeah. 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 It, just is, uh, it was a good time. One, if I had a redo right now, I'd say, no. Yeah. Can't, can't do it. Can't, I can't make it through another afternoon like that again. Thank goodness I was 21. <laughs> That's good. Well, Phil, it has been great been having good. you on uh, Revival Town today and uh, praying that you uh, uh, stay tuned to what God's saying oh, with all these uh, stories because you you make a huge difference. Yeah. Uh, so thank you for coming on Revival Time. Oh, today. thanks for having me. Yeah, thank you for contributing to Peoria. Well, that was oh, pretty hey, good. Hey, we're back. You like that? I did. That was excellent. I feel that we could have extended that conversation two more hours. Oh, yeah. Lots of questions about the challenges of being a journalist, especially today with, with fake news, sensationalized news, all those things. Yeah. But um, yeah, he's just a good guy. Loves Jesus, following the Holy Spirit. Great stories. Oh yeah. Thanks, Phil. Thank you, Phil. Yeah, that was that was great. You know, he uh, he's done many things for the Dream Center. I mean, I, we 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 highlighted one, right? But right. Um, a lot of our writing on the website when we're doing letters to to donors or to people like creating awareness yeah he's creating he's the awareness. guy who yeah. takes my scribble and makes it sound incredible i mean yeah so Man. so thank you phil for everything you do at the dream center uh, and to to present the story to so many yes well you know what's next hey, it's time to listen to your scribble <laughs> right. tate and his mate tate and his mate now today um, actually, it's going to be a funny one because it All involves right. Phil. Okay. All okay. right. So what, oh, is the word Luciano? No. <laughs> no. So um, uh, for those that may be listening for the first time, this is a segment where we, uh, or I, throw an English word, a phrase. Or rhyming cockney slang. Oh. <laughs> I was ready. I was ready. Oh, How do you like my. that, Susan? Uh, <laughs> Take that, Susan Woodgate. Oh, that's funny. That's right. funny. So, uh, and, and Susan is someone who 
um, loves the show and yeah, she's sends, a super diff fan. sends different it, Titan is mate words. Yeah, in. she submits words to you. Yeah, which is great. I'll take uh, yeah. all the help. We're three yeah. years into this. so. <laughs> and let me just say that her husband makes the best chip dip ever. Oh. Yeah. Perhaps one day oh, when we're recording, oh. they need to come in with it. You know what? You're right. Hey. All right. Okay. Okay. Back right, to the right. right. Okay. So you may not know this. Uh, no, no, no. How do I word this? Okay. Let me word it this way. Let me word it this way. Um, I'm going to embarrass him, but that's okay. He won't mind. My dad used to be a hooker. <laughs> <laughs> Wait a minute. I did see you on the Benny Hill show. <laughs> now it's coming together. Oh, my goodness. He, my he dad used to, used to be a hooker. What does that mean? You know what? I, I immediately thought of golf because of somebody who volunteers at the Dream Center. After a Dream Center golf event, we were sitting on a bench talking, and she was an avid golfer. And she said, I have no I'm idea. really just a hooker. What? Yep. Her name is Karen. <laughs> yes. I'm a, her her ex-husband was a golf pro. Yeah. But she goes, not me. I'm a hooker. And I was just like. I did not know where that really, story was going. This, this is a really awkward moment, Karen. <laughs> but, of course, I, she admits because she slices. She hooks it. Yeah, yeah. Hooks yeah, the yeah, ball. Yeah. So that's what I'm thinking of. But because you're from England and your dad used to be a hooker, it's got to be some type of a position in soccer or English football. So I'm going to say he was, it. it is a soccer position. <laughs> well, no. What? Because you got the wrong sport. Oh, rugby? Yeah. Really? Yeah, so there is a position. Ah. And, and th this is why I mentioned this. So Phil used to play rugby. Okay. And loves watching football, uh, rugby. Loves okay. it, right, on TV. Um, and he went up to my dad one Sunday. He had just become a Christian and went up to my dad and said, hey, I hear that you... Uh, I hear that you, you play rugby. And my dad went, yeah, I used to be a hooker. And he's like, what? <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and yeah, and so, so uh, but Phil loves rugby. And so, so do we give you a half a point this week? Do you get a half a point? Because you did say it was position. <laughs> it, it just wasn't just in the right sport. Wrong, wrong sport. Oh, man. Yeah. So, there we go. Well, I, I, I have yet to get one correct, fully correct. I know, I know. This it's, year. It's great. It's but great. man, man. Well, now we know how um, your dad had the funds to plant Riverside. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, oh, thank man. you so much for listening to Revival Town this week. It's been a great episode. We love you, Pastor John. Yeah, yeah. And uh, make sure that you... Uh, Tell people about it next week. We will be back, same place. Well, it might not be the same place. We'll see. It, might be down yep, at the Dream yep, Center. It, we'll see. And, and I, I, I don't want to say this too soon, hmm. but I really have a feeling that our next episode is going to be powerful. Okay. All right. Leave it at that. Leave it at that. We will see you next week for a powerful episode of Revival Town Podcast. See ya. 
Thank you for listening to this episode of Revival Town Podcast. Make sure you're following us on social media and remember to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. For more information, head on over to RevivalTownPodcast.com. Oh,